Hey guys, this is Pete, just inviting you to check out my ebook novels, Frankenstein Soul's Echo and Frankenstein A Life Beyond. Uh, also, my award winning children's chapter book, Princess Belle and the Dragon's Charm, all on EnceladusLiterary.com. Thanks, now on with the show. Welcome to Hindsight is 2020, a show where we look at anything in this world and arrogantly say how we'd fix it. With your host, Pete. And I can prove it with my usual flawless logic. And Greg. These two idiots. <laughs> and we slowly and mercilessly beat our subject to death. Thank you. We are recording. That's exciting. That is exciting. Okay. We're recording for the first time in 20 years. We are. <laughs> it only took 20 days into the year. <laughs> We're here. <laughs> and what are we here for? We're here to talk about one of the last big movies of 2017, of course. <laughs> That's right. And here in Trump's America, we can only talk about Trump and Star Wars. Again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the circle is complete. <laughs> so, um, we're glad that you clicked on this because obviously it is, it, it's quite apparent to you, the listener, as it is to us, is that there has yet been anybody to speak about Star Wars The Last Jedi in either a critical positive or a critical negative way. It has pretty much been radio silence on this movie since the day it came out. And I'm surprised it made any money at all because of the lack of people talking about it. Shocking. Which if is only they advertised more. I wish they did because uh, you know I kind of like this movie and it didn't have anything uh, <laughs> didn't have anything controversial about it. No, uh, no. it was. We're uh, sailing from here. That's yeah. what I, my understanding is going into episode nine. Exactly. Everybody's around. Everybody's ready to roll. It's just, oh, too soon. That just that dipped into some dark territory. So, Star Wars: The Last <laughs> Jedi. Driving eh? <laughs> right off that cliff. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll 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 make it brief because uh, mm. this this movie has been. Dissected to reanalyzed. I will make a harmonized. <laughs> I will make a claim that this might be the pinnacle of internet analyzation of a movie since the internet has really taken hold with the com confluence of podcasts and YouTube and everything you could possibly think of. I I do not think there has been a movie in this modern era that has received the critical mass of online either speculation before it came out and review criticizing after it came out well i'm gonna epitomize all of it because i'm kind of split right down the middle on this i'm much more positive on this than i was on the force awakens but obviously you know nothing's Nothing usually fits the bill across the board for folks. Um, and there are some things, some criticisms that I happen to kind of see some validity to and some that I'm going, who the hell are you people talking about? Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll kind of be probably making no one happy and jumping all over the place. Uh, kind of building off of what you were saying, 
Uh, all right. Take this idea for what it's worth, I guess. One thing about this movie, again, kind of in the vein of what you were saying, is in some ways this movie feels way too aware of itself. One thing? Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I would agree to that to a point, but I would also say that this movie is... the This movie... These filmmakers are very aware of... The potential criticism, but I think they're also very aware of what they need to do to make this a viable franchise going forward. Because we as human beings, as the average moviegoer out here in the world, when something hits, we are very myopic. It's very, we are in the moment. This is happening. This is great. This will go on forever. Disney's going to be doing these forever. Whereas, as I usually have said over the years on this podcast, is there are probably some pretty smart people who get these jobs planning these things out. And they're probably planning way ahead of us and realizing, you know, Force Awakens is going to hit and people think, oh, the gravy train will never end. But you can't live, I mean, if that's a nostalgia burger, you can't live off of the nostalgia burger forever. You have to have some vegetables, which is storytelling changing and new characters and going in different avenues. Because if you just keep relying on your same hits over and over again, you're going to falter real quick. I think faster than people are thinking would happen. And so I, I think this movie, yes, it's aware of itself, but it's also aware of we have to... The old George Carlin thing. We have to drag people kicking and screaming over the wall that they're afraid to go over. And once they're over there, they're happy you did it. And I think that's kind of what they did here. I'm not totally sure what they did here, I'll be honest. <laughs> um, like I said, some of this I'm like rolling right along with and really enjoyed. And, and some of it I'm very hesitant to kind of go full in on, I guess, let's just say. Um, to me, this... I What I've kind of decided about these movies ever since Disney kind of came in and the approach that the filmmakers have taken, and I'm going to lump Rogue One in with this um, idea, is... We're not really watching Star Wars movies. We're watching deconstructionist Star Wars. I don't know if I agree with that. I I, I think uh, it's going to take more than just the three movies and two that are related to really figure out where they're headed. But I think you had the unique initial problems that J.J. Abrams and co. had to deal with with Force Awakens, where they had to... I mean, you just think of the three-pronged monster they had to deal with. They had to restart the franchise with something new. They had to bring back the old characters everyone loved and give you that twins of nostalgia, and they had to move past the bad taste in the mouth of the prequels. So he had to balance all that with just that one film. Rogue One was the first test of can we do anything besides the Skywalker episodes? 
And now this movie is the first test of, well, we've got to create something new and we can't just live on nostalgia forever. So let's do some new storytelling and take it in different directions and expand the universe because well, otherwise we're just going to stagnate forever. That's that's kind of where my deconstructionist argument comes in, though. It's and where my this movie's too aware of itself thing kind of comes in. I feel like some of the things that happen in this almost happen simply because it's like, oh, well, you were expecting this, so we're going to do that. And um, there are things in here that um, I think are a reaction to some of the fan reactions and everything. And we see this kind of creep in with other franchises, uh, specifically with like DC. I know that we were just talking about that with uh, how DC always seems to react in their movies to what came before and the criticisms that came before. And they try to adjust things. And sometimes the stories or characters or the world that they're trying to build just don't kind of hold up wholly because they're tinkering too much with them. Um, I think one of the strengths of the original movies was you had those underpinnings of, all right, well, we're going to kind of look at mythical elements and legends, and we're going to kind of base the structure of this thing off of something, which, you know, gave it some kind of cultural touchstones to kind of play off of. Um, the prequels they were all about kind of building up to and playing back into that mythos this film series um i'm not totally sure what they're trying to do i get the fact that they're trying to you know revitalize this franchise and i agree with you you can't just keep playing the same song over and over again but i almost feel like there's a lack of momentum and i don't remember ever feeling that way even in the prequels. The prequels, at least, it's like, okay, well, we know basically where we're building to here. With um, The original three movies, they were a little bit more compartmentalized just because they were kind of coming up with them, you know, one at a time. This one, I almost feel like there's this weird tug-of-war vision problem or something where it's like, well, we'll set some of this stuff up. Maybe we'll get into this or maybe we'll do this in a book or maybe we'll just abandon this thing completely. It just seems to be shifting all over the place and there just doesn't seem to be a strong narrative push. Well, there's a couple of things there. I think number one is you have not as much of a cohesive story plan that I think people thought there was going to be when they, they got this in 2012 and they were kind of following that Marvel model at that point when they mm -hmm. were just starting up Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on TV and it it's all connected. <laughs> and so this whole thought was, well, all the books that come out and all the comic books that come out and the video games that come out, they're all going to be background source material feeder material for what you're going to see in the main movies mm -hmm. that was kind of the thought but now you get to the point where guys like pablo hidalgo um carrie hart i think is her name the the people who run the lucasfilm story group they've actually said or ryan johnson's i guess hinted at it more than anything is mm -hmm. that what we thought, we as fans thought, okay, there's a great big whiteboard. 
and they sat it, it's kind of the problem with lost you know i always go back to lost because that's just the granddaddy of where we are <laughs> in modern culture i think is everybody thought there's a big whiteboard and mm -hmm. all of the exact details of every moment of all those seasons were planned out from beginning middle to end and here's what's going to happen and we find out from ryan johnson no J.J. Abrams and Lawrence Kasdan set some stuff up, maybe had some ideas, but they said, well, this is a good setup. And they didn't have the sequel plan. They didn't have it written. Ryan Johnson wrote it after reading the draft of Force Awakens and said, oh, here's what I could do with it. So it seems like Lucasfilm is actually going, all right, we're going to set these ideas out there. And then somebody else come in and say, ooh, well, now let's see what I can do with that instead of here's the roadmap we want to get to. Now, maybe there's a grand overarching thing that for three movies, Ray is going to eventually get here and Kylo Ren's going to eventually get here. And that, you know, however you get there is how you get there. And whatever you do is what you do. But I don't think that's the case. I think they're really playing this like a fast and loose writer's room where they're like, well, we have a general idea of how we want to wrap this up. This episode, this episode nine is going to end maybe like this. But who knows? We'll see what happens. And it's kind of defying. You know, I watched a YouTube video today in prep for this. And uh, I think it was the film theorist. Mm -hmm. And he made a good point about is the problem with The Last Jedi, not the movie itself, but the expectations going in. Because how many... Fan speculations, who's Ray's parents, who's Snoke, all these things that were thrown out there as the the bait, so to speak, of, well, these are big questions, which, yes, J.J. asked as these are questions that I'm going to leave open-ended. And Ryan Johnson said, well, that's not really what I care about, and I'm not going to answer them immediately, and so I'm going to go somewhere else. And you have the expectation versus the actual event. So I can't tell you how many people I've heard say, yeah, the first time I saw it, I oh, I didn't know what to think. And the second time I saw it, I either I loved it or eh, I didn't really like it. Because that first go round with this series only, I don't think any other movie series really matches up to, well, these are my expectations. So I'm waiting for these answers to happen. Oh, no, he just told a story. <laughs> I don't wait, what? And then the movie's over. And again, well, the last time I'll do it, I promise, until we actually do an episode on it, is that's kind of what happened with Lost. Is Lost had those, there's a mythology here, but they're more caring about telling you the story of these characters that are interacting and what happens to them. And so the show's going to end telling you what happened to the characters and what happened to them. And yet you have all the people who were wondering, what's the island and what is... And they didn't get, like, these definitive answers, so to speak. And so, well, it's a disappointment. Well, no, it wasn't, because you go back and watch it, and if it's based on the characters, that's the story they wanted to tell. Well, then that works. I think that works here, too. Is I think Ryan Johnson had a story he wanted to tell. He took these characters and said, well, there's a, 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 a grander universe here, and we want to tell the story of how the Force is in everybody and not just these line of Jedi and what's at the end of the life for some of these characters and what are the new ones doing as they struggle with figuring out where they fit in the universe. And we'll, we'll just tell the story I want to tell. And if 
I get to checking off your boxes. That's fine. But if not, maybe somewhere down the line, they'll figure it out. But that's not what you need to worry about too much. Yeah. And I mean, since I didn't really fully connect with The Force Awakens, a lot of this stuff that people had invested a lot of this time and thought into these various theories. And again, I get it. That's fun um, to do. I wasn't really upset that there wasn't payoff for some of this stuff. Like what happened to Snoke? I said, great. (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't care about that character before. I certainly don't care now. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, there was some of the stuff that just by, again, by my uh, connection or lack of connection with the previous film, that wasn't a hindrance for me. Um, I guess what I'm I'm kind of saying, I mean, I agree largely with what you're saying about the fact that, yeah, he made creative choices and he stuck by them. And um, he kind of had a vision for where he wanted to go with this and everything. But if you're going to say, look, these are three conjoined stories by the way that you set it up by giving it the episode titles and everything like that, um, you know, does this kind of back and forth, not necessarily dueling, but um, manner of storytelling kind of work? Does it build anything? Well, I think that they're actually honoring what George Lucas had in mind more than we ever give them credit for. Okay. Because I've read a couple of things that are fairly sound fairly credible. They're not just theorizing. They're more like actual Hollywood news stories about getting a feel for what George had pitched to Disney when he sold it and said, well, here's my ideas for seven through nine. And it sounds like they're not that far off. And if they're truly trying to just say, all right, seven, eight, and nine wraps up so that you can have a nice, neat little package of episode one through episode nine, everything else we do, we are starting from scratch in the Star Wars universe. This is the full, complete nine episode arc. Mm -hmm. And in that, you can kind of see what he's trying to do. I mean, he's uh, what what Ryan Johnson was trying to do is to say, all right, well, we've got these new characters. And instead of thinking that they're the new characters that are going to carry us for another 80 years, they just need to carry these three films. So the story of breaking down the rebels, you know, it's not going to be another point to point empire versus first order rebels versus resistance. This is more along the lines of, you know, we're, are we doomed to repeat ourselves or can we do the rebellion better than we did last time instead of just creating a war? Do we, you know, have a spark that actually truly inspires a resistance? And again, it has a lot to do with the times that the movies were made in because you have the 70s and you have coming out of Vietnam and the Grand Empire. And now we have truly the resistance versus the first <laughs> order of idiocy. <laughs> and so you have this parallel of well we're going to spark the resistance of these stories that go create you know create throughout the universe that you don't just have to be a skywalker to be special that you know everyone has it in them and the way they're going to finally 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 defeat this stupid evil that takes the dark side of the force 
powers and feelings and continues to manipulate them for power and to overtake the galaxy, you know, once and for all, the ray of light <laughs> is to spark everyone has this power. Everyone has this capability. Everyone can rise up and be in control of their own destiny and not be controlled by these idiots. And you don't have to be stuck to the dogmatic force of the Jedi. It, you know, like Luke says in the movie, it doesn't belong to the Jedi. It belongs to everybody. So that's the lesson. You know, we started with what eventually we saw the first three with the downfall of the Jedi Order that were too dogmatic and too, like, we, we control the light side. We can't do the dark side. Only the Sith do the dark side. And we're binary. And, well, that didn't work. And so now we're getting to the point of, well, you don't necessarily have to be categorized and put into a box. You can just, you have the force. And as long as you do good with it, learn all of the force. Just don't get sucked into thinking, well, I learned the dark side of the force, so I must be bad. And that's why I, I wonder what's going to happen with good old Ben Solo. And <laughs> I, that that's... Out of all the curiosities I have with the new characters, that would be the one that I think it's not so much Ray. I think this is more before we even realize it, we're going to get to episode nine and realize just like Darth Vader was just a side character and suddenly we're like, oh, wait, this is his story. I think this is going to end up being the either the redemption or the ultimate destruction of Ben Solo, Kylo Ren as the last of these idiots who, well, if I'm going to use the dark side, I got to put on a mask like my grandpa and be evil dick. No, <laughs> you have to have a balance and use all of it. And that's where Ray will lead people to. But that's my monologuing. Uh, well, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, do you want to get into stuff that we liked or stuff that... Uh... Go for we, it. We didn't totally go with here with this one. Well, hindsighted. What what was your what was your least favorite point? I, I figured uh, we'd be maybe in the same boat. Uh, are we talking like just plot moments or just, just over down down to the the nuts and bolts storytelling? Because this is I like the movie. I don't mm -hmm. love the movie because there yeah. are some storytelling issues. Just plain and simple. Sure. As a movie, not a Star Wars movie, but just as a movie, there's some storytelling issues. Yeah, I agreed. Um, my biggest problem still remains being able to connect with some of these characters. I do not care about Rey. She never struggles. But she sweats. It's a huge, <laughs> huge problem for me. What do you mean she never struggles? She has Just that. She's like, oh, I can do this thing, or oh, I'm I'm thinking this, and this will work out this way, or oh, um, we need to do this, and they do it, and it it works. She just never seems to have anything that really challenges her. She doesn't make mistakes. <laughs> well, we could find out that maybe when she. Uh... She did the Luke from Dagobah in Empire. You know, she left Luke and tried to go turn Ben that maybe we have to wait for another movie to figure out that that was kind of like Luke. Yeah, he did cut off his training from Yoda. That was a mistake, ultimately. Maybe her mistake was she left to try and turn Ben and 
maybe they'll face consequences in that in episode nine. Who knows? I mean, I, I kind of agree I with you, but it doesn't I, I bother me too like much. The, I didn't like the fact that they saved the Jedi books out of the tree. That felt like a cheat to me. Especially with all this talk about, you know, Yoda's Force Ghost showing up and saying, let the past go, and the Force Ghost basically saying the same thing, and I would have been fine if they'd burned up the tree with the books in it. <laughs> yeah, I could go either way. That doesn't bother me at all. I, I, I like the fact that maybe that's just going to help her learn some things, but she has to learn how to take the lessons of the Force correctly this time and not follow the same path of the the Jedi. So maybe it's a good starting point for her from the lessons, but just not following the same dogmatic, rigid Jedi path. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps. My biggest um, problem of the whole thing is the Finn and Rose... <laughs> okay, no. <hold> <laughs> the, the, the Finn and Rose Canto Bite Casino storyline was just misguided from every step of the way like every step of the way you're like oh there's something there's there's something cool that could happen here and it just seemed like ryan johnson went the direct opposite way of something cool <laughs> every step through that whole sequence with benicio del toro and everything was not something cool just something thematically making sense it just kind of yeah. kept going in a tangent. And then ultimately, when you look back on it, meant nothing. It didn't mean anything. It just meant servicing, getting this new character involved and getting Finn and Rose off to do something. That was really it. They didn't do anything in the end. No, the Finn character, it's like he might have had some personal growth. But again, in the larger narrative with what potentially was set up in the last movie i didn't feel like anything changed along that line it's just kind of like uh okay yeah that the character stuck in neutral Got yeah it. if we're hindsight in this thing already i would say what should this is kind of a blend of two different things i've heard in all the analyzation of this movie God, again, mm -hmm. you can't help but cross over with all the reviews I've heard of this movie. There's going to be some repeats here. The Finn character is an ex-stormtrooper from Force Awakens, and there was this so-called... Actually, it wasn't even a mystery as to why the resistance, resistance ships kept getting tracked through light speed by the First Order. And it's, oh, it's just this device in their ship that we have to go get Benicio Del Toro for. If you kept everything the same, but I will credit Mark Bernardin from Fat Man on Batman on this, he said something really cool. What if Finn, as an ex-stormtrooper, had something in his DNA or something in his blood or something whatsoever that he was the actual tracker that the First Order was tracking? Like... It, something worked something in fine. And, and to have a turn at the like three quarters of the way through mark where leia or laura dern's character suddenly realizes wait a minute how did the first order know you went to this casino planet to try to find this guy so that whole thing of trying to find the slicer or whatever to, to break in that could have oh, just been a just... well i mean it all still could have been there it all could have been this huge red herring of, 
well, he got them, they got onto the ship, and they get captured, and but they destroy the device, and it's like, oh, thank God I destroyed the device, and now I'll, I'll face off with Phasma. Sure, you can still do that. That's whatever. And then they get back to the ship, and then suddenly the First Order tracks him again. And then Laura Dern or Princess Leia can be like, wait a minute. How do they keep tracking us to where only Finn is? And so he suddenly becomes this ostracized, like, wait a minute, we can't trust this guy. He's being tracked, and they, they figure it out. And then that way, the second part of that is when they're on Canto Bite at the end, and they're having, or not Canto Bite, the crate, the plant, the salt planet, whatever. Mm-hmm. When they're charging at the ATSTs, have Finn sacrifice himself. <laughs> I would have been fine with that too. So the I dramatic. It would have given him something. It would have given him an arc. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, the, the dramatic heft of having him be the thing that the First Order's tracking, and then to have him actually sacrifice himself to blow up that big. It's a Death Star weapon door knocker thing. <laughs> it's a giant door knocker. <laughs> Just have him do that so that the. If somebody has to replace Finn as far as, like, within the story, whatever he served, that can be Rose, that she suddenly becomes the new Finn. Yeah, that would have been fine. While you were talking, I was even thinking um, if you wanted to actually give Phasma more heft and see more of the role that she has played in the First Order and everything, if, you know, that idea about he was the way that they were able to track the fleet and it, after they figure that out they kind of abandoned him they could have abandoned him on the casino planet or whatever and he gets kind of recaptured and um re-indoctrinized and uh, you know rose breaks him out of it or ray or something i mean any of that would have been preferable to what we got as far as the arc or lack of arc with that outing you know yeah, and I can't quite follow outside of just simply, hey, we want John Boyega to stay around, why he didn't sacrifice himself. I mean, I get what they did, Rose awkwardly kissing him, and we're going to save each other, not die for the resistance. And, okay, that's fine. She could have mm-hmm. said that over the headset, and everyone yeah. could have heard it. She could have yeah, said... And he, and he could have made the choice not to... Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. and then he could have said, well, but in this case, everyone's going to die if I don't do it. So some people have to live to save each other. Good luck, Rose. Finn out. Drops the microphone and heads out. <laughs> <laughs> um, um I okay, I'll I'll give a I'll give a mixed bag on one of these here. I like the fact that we got to see that Leia has developed more force powers. I like that. That's good. Um, I don't necessarily like the way it was executed visually. No, and I'm not sure many people do. <laughs> it just, it was oh, very I've awkward. Heard some people who were very, very about it. And I'm not saying it's like ruinous to the film or the character or anything like that. I just personally feel like it could have been handled a little less Mary Poppins. Oh, that's goofy. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, that was my first instinct when I saw it was, oh, oh, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm all for expanding the force powers because 
we don't know yeah, what the hell the force powers are. <laughs> that's always happened in these movies. Nobody knew when Return of the Jedi started rolling that we were going to see, you know, lightning coming out of the Emperor's yeah. fingertips. I mean, that was a total out of left field kind of thing. But people were just like, oh, this is cool. I like this. So, yeah. Yeah. I've got no problem with the fact that she was able to do what she did in the movie. But uh, again, just not. Not the way I probably would have handled it from a visual standpoint. Yeah, it just, it would have, and to hindsight that, I think it would have had a lot more heft if there was just some damage done and maybe some people got sucked out into space, but she was able to, you know, like Yoda in the prequel type thing. She kind of paused for a moment and manipulated the rocks or or the, the debris and sealed up the hole or whatever. And then, passed out because and that could be kind of a uh, a hint to what would happen to Luke later you know excessive use of the force and it kind of drained her or whatever well and I was actually kind of thinking that this was a missed opportunity um, where Luke was concerned when Ray said you've cut yourself off from the force and if he's always had such a strong connection to it and that's just been so essential to his being or something like that, severing his tie kind of to life, if you will, um, you know, weakened him. Well, okay. So, but what does that mean? Well, I mean, as far as like explaining some of the, you know, some of the complaints about the end of that, uh, of the movie and Luke's fate at the end of the movie oh. with them disappearing and stuff. If you kind of set that up a little bit with saying, you know, he's weakened himself deliberately um, through cutting himself off from the force, but it's also, you know, had an impact on him beyond just severing the force. It was something that was like very difficult and a natural for him to do. Yeah, and I think, well, actually, I think that was in there. Uh, you know, Ray does say that a couple of times to him, whereas, you know, you've completely cut yourself off and, you know, yeah, you're not, it's you're not, not implied, living. And... Yeah, it's not implied, though, that it's done any, like, direct physical harm to him or weakened his soul or his connection to life itself or anything like that. It's just... Well, it's maybe I get that on... You've cut yourself off. I mean, maybe I have to see it again to really get it, but I, I for some reason, that it's something tells me that that's there, that's kind of intimated at between the conversations he has with Ray, mm-hmm. you know, when she's following him around the island, that there's stuff hinted at about he's cut himself off from the Force and he's just waiting to die and, and withering away, and, you know, he's an old man now, so it's it's kind of physically obvious that he's not the the great grand hero of the galaxy which and let's just get into that because that's the biggest thing of the movie is luke skywalker he was the the macguffin of the first movie was where's luke and we see luke and now at the beginning of this movie we see luke and yeah the whole throwing the lightsaber over the shoulder thing was i get what he was doing but he really could have just dropped it on the ground the thrown over the shoulder was a little too like wah, wah. Did I lose you? Uh 
Okay, and we're back with after a minor technical issue. So what I was getting at was let's get into the Luke Skywalker of it all. So okay. he's the old man now. He's the old Jedi Knight. He's had thirty. He's had thirty freaking years, Mister Bigglesworth, <laughs> <laughs> that we have not seen wow. him. So. Number one, he's not going to be the same guy that we saw in Return of the no, Jedi. I'm fine with that. <laughs> some of some of the criticisms I've heard about this is this isn't my Luke Skywalker or that that that. It's like, well, no. Thirty yeah. years from now, I'm not going to be the same person. I'm going to have had experiences and look at things differently and treat people differently probably yeah hell i'm looking back 30 years ago i was old enough to remember 30 years ago yeah. i sure as hell was not <laughs> i'm not the same as i was when i was 10 i am really not <laughs> i hope i'm not but the the uh I really, really, really loved what ryan johnson did with him on the second viewing that i saw this movie the okay. whole the trick he pulled at the end with the creating the force vision and not actually being there it just it followed all of the original jedi code that yoda set up way back in empire you know it's always for defense never for attack he's not attacking ben solo he's not attacking kylo ren he's just there that was a great job of showing him being the master versus the student. Yeah, and I mean the the thought of you know the the myth of Luke Skywalker. He's going to pull a star destroyer out of the sky with his bare hands. Like, well, no, he that was never set up. N not in any one of these movies was it ever set up that anyone with force powers can do any more than lift up a senate pod spin it and throw it at yoda <laughs> that's that's about it and well yeah but oh. but but just the the thought that what he did do and creating that force power that was his last statement and that being the inspiration for everybody and being being the myth like literally i'm going to be the myth of luke skywalker and the best way and the only way i know how to do it and it's going to take everything out of me and it's going to leave me at peace, but at least I can send these new kids off into the future. And with episode nine, we can have it completely wrapped up of. Well, it, it was so appropriate for that character and it was so appropriate for the roots of the character and everything too, to me. Um, the art of kind of fighting without fighting in the sense that he wasn't there. Uh, the fact that he was willing to make a sacrifice for his family, for his friends. Um, the fact that legend stories, mythological stories in them, you know, your King Arthur legend, um, the hero, you know, meets some kind of a fate, but the fate is always left open-ended. There's always the possibility that they could return. And you have that with the way that they chose to wrap this up. The duel, the two sons. That was a beautiful visual moment and yeah. so appropriate. Yeah, that was um, perfect. And okay, so he's not going to be in the same form come episode nine. Okay. He doesn't need to be. He's, <laughs> we are moving I, on. Yeah, that that's the problem that I think people are falling into when I go back to the whole, you can tickle the nostalgia balls all you want. 
You can eat all the member berries you want. And member Chewbacca? Me <laughs> me member the Millennium Falcon? Yeah, I remember. That was awesome. Yeah, you at some point you have to get past the member berries and you have to move forward with the new the next generation and the new generation of storytelling and people get old and people die it just is what happens and what do you do with the time you're here i mean just these very general things and it it was perfect and yeah there's the small part of me that when i f saw the movie the first time i've seen it twice and the first time i saw it there was that oh okay luke being luke this is awesome and yet i got had in the best kind of way by the brilliant storytelling of Ryan Johnson, where, well, that's what you thought you wanted, but let me tell you actually what really happened. And, and you're, you're going to get what you probably need out of the story more than what you thought you wanted out of the story. And I think that's the overall, <laughs> that's about the summation I can give to the whole movie is it's giving you what you need out of the story that you didn't realize you needed when you thought you wanted something else. I like the fact that I saw character growth from him. Yeah. <laughs> he's not, he's, <laughs> he's not a 19 year old kid hanging out with Owen and Baru. <laughs> uh, even in the course of the film though, I saw growth from him. I, I don't feel like, you know, that was other than the fact it was telegraphed hell in the force awakens i never felt that way about han in the last movie yeah yeah he just was but then again han solo like harrison ford always said in the interviews back in the day was han solo that's pretty thin so the character never really was much of this character outside I of enjoyed a... about this though yeah. yeah he was just basically a characterization almost more than a character and so I think he was served as well as possible in The Force Awakens without actually seeing what he had been through through his 30 years of, you know, dealing with Leia and having a kid. And is he responsible? Nah, he's going back to being what he was. These are all the things we have to infer. And it was harder for that type of a character to infer things than it is for somebody like Luke. All right, you're going to have to pawn. And after more technological issues, we're back <laughs> after my ripping Han Solo to shreds to say he's not much. He's no Luke. But... Yeah, but it still would have been fun to see a little bit more growth out of him in that movie. True. Uh, but again, but... how much did J.J. have to service in a two-hour movie? That was That's the monumental task that I think Force Awakens will go down in history being, if anything, will just be this. Think of all the shit he had to do with that movie. <laughs> and if for to be as cohesive as it was, is something of an uh, uh, of achievement. Uh, okay, so what did you think of the whole force connection thing between Ray and Kylo and where all that led? Again, I don't have any real problem with that because it's not, well, we've never seen that before. Well, you know... We, Luke and Vader and Luke and Leia communicating off great distances and Yoda being on Kashyyyk and feeling Order 66 happening. And uh, hell, the first movie, I just felt a great disturbance in the force. Uh, cool. uh, there was 
lots of people blown up and but who cares keep training so i think that was already set up and did we lose you again um, i don't have a pro nope i'm sorry okay. <laughs> thank god I don't, I don't have a problem with it i just think that you could have done more with it i mean i think it's actually kind of a fun idea um especially when you've got characters that physically you probably couldn't get into close proximity without them getting into some kind of a fight and not having any kind of a conversation so from that perspective i think hey good good thinking i, I like that um i just think you could have done more with either of them with tempting one to come to the other side as far as their type of thinking or really genuinely questioning things um you get a little bit of that with kylo again i don't see any of that going on with ray well i think she's still being formed in character not only which by the writers why, which is why having a little bit more of a tug of war would have been good True, but I think that's where she will end up at the end of episode eight. And again, it's I agree, it's not perfect. But I don't have as much problem with it because if you have other characters that she's there surrounded that are getting, you know, their own arcs, and if she is the one who has to grow into things, um, the one thing I think she's missing is she needs a limb chopped off at some point. Because in episode nine, <laughs> well, I mean, if the you, rite if of passage. Play, yeah, if you <laughs> if you play with a lightsaber, you gotta lose a limb. That does seem to be the requirement. <laughs> sooner or later, something's coming off. Yeah, there was an interview with Ryan Johnson. It was pretty awesome where he said that there was an actual debate in the editing room about when Luke Skywalker goes one with the Force and his robe falls to the rocks at the end that mm -hmm. maybe his metal hand should just clank on the rock because <laughs> that can't go no, into the yes, afterlife I've, I've i've heard and read people complaining about the hand thing and i'm just like it's fine <laughs> good lord <laughs> I um i worry about whether or not his belt buckle went with him i don't care if his hand <laughs> did or not it's fine <laughs> but on uh kylo ren and and ray i i I think it was enough. It was like this teenager kind of thing of, well, he just, you know, just doesn't get me. And, well, I just didn't get you. But, oh, well, now we're going to just talk because the old guy doesn't get us. So we're going to chat. And and she's still living in a naive land of trying. She says it herself. She's trying to find her place in the galaxy. She's trying to find her place in the universe. She's needing somebody to help her find her place. Luke didn't really help her find her place, so she goes off to the next person she gets connected to, which is Kylo Ren. And I think it's, at the end of this movie is where you're going to see her start to turn into growth, and I hope they do more with it in Episode Nine. I agree she needs more than just what she's been so far. But I think they're setting her up for that in Episode Nine because she's realizing she was naive enough to think, oh, well... I'm here and Kylo Ren. Oh, Ben, he's turning. I called him Ben and he helped me kill these guys. So that works. And then she realized, wait a minute. No, he had it in his mind the whole time that he was never turning to quote unquote, the light side. He was just simply thinking, I'm, I want the power. I'm, I'm the petulant butt wagon who uh, wants to kill everything in the past and take over the galaxy. And that's where she, I think, will finally split and hopefully in episode nine get more characterization that says, wait a minute, uh, she needs a little bit more depth, but 
she's starting to realize that her place in the galaxy is leading the resistance, reforming people to learn about the Force as she learns about it more and more. And kill Ben Solo because he's a punk who just doesn't get it. See, I was actually kind of, I kind of perked up a bit when I thought maybe the two of them were going <laughs> to team up and try something. And I thought, well, I, I'm fine if we go with Ben's suggestion of let the past die and let's try something different. It's like, okay, well, let's just embrace that fully right now. <laughs> We've set that up. Let's do it. Yeah, but I think they're setting it up more that he's still, he's he's not able to really do that. He said it in episode seven. He's he's conflicted. I think that's not a uh, a red herring. I think he was truly in that moment where he's talking to the burn up Darth Vader mask. That he's like, you know, I'm conflicted. I want to have the darkness. I want to have the power. I felt the power, but I haven't fully gone that way. I think he's still in that mode. You know, he didn't shoot Leia. He got pissed off when the other guys did it. So he's not fully there yet, but he still just keeps wanting to go the easier route, the the route of yeah. the power, the that angle. So he's never considered going off with Ray, whereas she is more along the lines of she is fully in the light, constantly, you know, understanding that there is darkness there, but her moral center as a character is going to always edge to the light. And if he's not going to do anything at all to, to go along with that, then she's not going to bother staying with them either. So they could have put them together, but I think that would have just been it probably would have been a, a true mess, and people would well, have that, walked away that going, "Wait!" Would have been wait. interesting, though. <laughs> I I want the mess. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah, but I don't know. It, I don't think it would have been earned. It would have been a big old what the fuck. <laughs> like, well, and you certainly didn't have to wrap that part of it up. That could have carried over into the beginning of episode nine easily. No, absolutely. I understand that between the two of them or this uneasy alliance or. Um, you know, each of them trying to explore different aspects of the force and it blending and merging and taking them in different directions all kind of at the same time. I think that could have been really cool. I I agree, but then I kind of disagree. I, I I'm trying to imagine the movie ending with Ray and Ben Solo. See, then the the whole movie it's complete. Then Luke loses his arc because Luke's arc is so intertwined with what happened with his nephew that. Well, he could have, Kylo could have started to have more of a corruptive influence on Ray and what Luke ends up doing. Like you said, there's already that conflict within Kylo um, that just kind of reasserts itself. And maybe some of the hole that he's had over Ray lessons and she does still, you know, leave with the resistance and everything. But I, again, even if you'd had that team up for a time, I think it could have been more interesting. Yeah. I, I, I be just watching here, come back 20 minutes. Another ship gets blown up there. There's a short battle there. You could have had more of that kind of stuff happening. If you, 
set up some of the other narrative differently. True. Uh, and one last thing that I really, I, I had my thought during the final credits scene was rolling. Final credits were rolling when I saw it the first time. And my first thought was, God, I wish that last planet that they made their last ditch effort to run to with the old rebel base on it and the old ships on it was Dantooine. Because <laughs> how well would that have tied in with episode four and Leia's round out to just call I mean, they could have even changed it after the fact. After Carrie Fisher passed, they could have changed and not called it Crate. That could have been Dantooine. Uh, well, they certainly could have gone that way. I think in Legends, at least, Dantooine was kind of this, kind of like the grassy areas of Naboo. So you probably would have had people arguing about that. But again, it's like, look, you've already kind of ankled Legends as it is. So if you wanted to change the nature of a planet that, you know, a, a name that at least the casual fan would be familiar with, I wouldn't have had any problem with it. Yeah, and that's the kind of nostalgia button that could have been pushed without causing any sort of consternation and reflection, because that actually would work. It's like, well, we need an old rebel base, and we're heading towards one. What is it? That's Dantooine. It's far too remote to make a clear demonstration, <laughs> you know, as Tarkin is wont to say. Okay, here's, again, this is retconning, I think. It's the only way you can really get into this. Here's something I don't understand from a geopolitical sense in this movie. I, I was always, it was always very easy to follow in the original trilogy. Empire bad, rebellion good, goal, rebuild the Republic, bring back the Republic, right? Yeah, I wish they did. Okay. In this... They say in the last movie that, you know, well, the whole reason the resistance exists is because the New Republic didn't believe that the First Order was that big or was a threat or anything like that. They spent a lot of time in various materials. I don't remember how much in the film itself, but kind of making the case for the um, some of the reason that the uh, First Order operates the way that it does is because it isn't as big, nor does it have the resources of the Empire. We get to the beginning of this movie, and suddenly they've practically taken over the galaxy? Well, the thing was, is, and this was horribly dealt with by J.J. Abrams in The Force Awakens, and I really wish there had been about 10 minutes longer um, so that you didn't have to read a book to actually get it. But when they fired off Starkiller Base for the first time in the movie in Force Awakens and it right. the laser shot out across the galaxy, that blew up the seat of the New Republic. Yeah. I'm, so I it know. basically blew up like Washington, D.C. and, and right. whatever else. Right. So that there is no. Like, that's the entire government's gone. So okay, everything's scattered, and now all that's left is just the resistance that was on that base that they finished off Force Awakens on at the beginning of this movie. First Order blows that up. So whoever's able to escape off of there, they escape. So, right, but we're talking about thousands of systems. And if the First Order isn't that big, how in such a short period of time, especially since we're starting this right on the heels of the end of the Force Awakens, how on earth could they have taken over the galaxy? Well, I don't think they would have done it on Earth. They would have not been on Earth. <laughs> um, 
I don't think they've taken over the galaxy yet. I think we're but seeing them. I think that's what the opening crawl says, that they've taken over or in danger of taking over the galaxy, and the only thing standing in their way is just the resistance. Which is very possible, because you think if you take out the seat of power of the New Republic and mm-hmm. whatever other systems are around it, then you have cut off the head and now if there's any sort of flailing out there and you got to think it's only been maybe barely 20 20 30 years of rebuilding from the empire rebuilding a new republic while the empire is still remnants out there so it it's probably a little bit of a chaos situation that the first orders kind of trying to go into the vacuum and fill and if you really only have the organized fighters who know what the first order is and that's just the resistance and now they're just down to virtually nothing then that makes sense from from that point of view is that you yeah all you have is a resistance and there's nothing really else standing in the way of the first order going right back to where the empire just was not that long ago And after our final technical difficulty, <laughs> we will limp across the finish line. So go. All right. Well, um, the other thing that I didn't understand then, uh, the Laura Dern character, Admiral Haldo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she at one point is like, oh, well, we've got to survive so that we can bring back the Republic or whatever. And I'm going, now, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We've had the old Republic fall apart. And we had the new Republic that you guys became kind of outlaws against because they weren't a real effective government and didn't listen to you and allowed themselves to be destroyed. And you want to do that a third time? Well, just you have to constantly be refreshing democracies. So she doesn't want to give up hope that there's no way you can organize the galaxy to be together again. You certainly don't want it to be organized under an empire. Well, no. I just thought that this might play into the whole idea about some things aren't worth repeating or learning from failures or, you know, not being overly beholden to the past or something. Um, I thought all that was going to kind of come together a little bit more than it does. Yeah. I, I don't really have a problem with it. That's just kind of the cycle nature of we have to, we got to take our country back. We got to take our galaxy back. <laughs> and Haldo, before she uh, sets the light speed through that ship, she puts on a Make America Great Again hat. Make, <laughs> make the gra- <laughs> She puts on a red Make the Galaxy make Great the Again galaxy hat. Great again. <laughs> uh, I did like that uh, visually, though. Um, and the silence was very effective when they did cut to that shot of uh, the aftermath of that ship tearing through the first order ones that was that was cool yes that was fan fantastic <laughs> but overall uh, i like this complain about bb8 i liked bb8 in here yeah it was i've heard people complain. complain about the porgs or porgs yeah um i didn't mind them yeah i mean what <laughs> Again, how many times do people have to say these movies are really aimed for somebody who's like twelve or thirteen? Yeah, <laughs> so it, they, they were fine. It's just fine. It worked 
perfectly. It's it's much better than P. Yusa. Uh, Who do? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, good lord. Yeah. So again, kind of, kind of what we've been saying here. There's, there's stuff that could have been heightened up or presented differently or explored more or uh, integrated in a little bit more smoothly, however you want to put it. But um, yeah, overall, like I said, I think there's a lot more positives than negatives to take out of it. So I think uh, in all told, I like this movie. I don't love it. It's kind of my way I've been with the the Disney Star Wars empire here. And so far, we've now had three movies through every generation of Star Wars. And you have the original trilogy, then you have the prequels, and now you have the Disney and so far, I haven't loved what Disney's done. I've liked most of what Disney's done. There still hasn't been a great movie probably since Empire Strikes Back. I, I think that's a fair assessment. Um, I, I would agree that Empire is still the strongest one for me. The first two, the one-two punch of the first two is probably the strongest for me. And again, definitely things to enjoy, definitely things to um, take away uh, from this movie. Um, so we're not saying anything new by saying it's a bit of a mixed bag, but <laughs> uh, we'll see where we end up here in three years or so. And my favorite part is that for the first time since I've been alive and aware of Star Wars, I really could not say at all where they're headed in the next episode. No! Can't. <laughs> Don't forget to like us on Facebook. Episodes can be downloaded on iTunes or at EnceladusLiterary.com. Opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect those of Enceladus Literary. Okay, but... Ah!